Nine Podcasts. This is Ross Recommends with Ross Stevenson. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Amelia, what are we doing? We're just going to do a bonus sip. Right, a bonus sip. A bonus sip. Right, a bonus sip on Christmas. You're going to interview me, correct? Yes, holiday right. edition. Right, do your worst. Okay, well, first of all, I have to know, what do I have to eat over Christmas? You don't have to eat anything at all, but I tell you what, <laughs> a lot of the offerings, I grew up in Brisbane in Queensland. Right, now I don't know how much you know about Brisbane. I can tell you one thing, it is not a culinary centre of the universe. Right, when we moved to Victoria... And I would tell my father, he'd say, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to Queensland. He said, I'll drop in to see your sisters, right, my aunties. And he would look at me very seriously. And he'd say, you be careful, son. They can stuff up cornflakes. Ah, okay. Right. Except okay. he didn't. Get the idea. Right. So ours was always very basic. Ham was always there. Chicken was always there. The notion that, like, no prawn. No oysters. Where really? that? Hey, no, no, no. So that's very, very different Christmas. But what we did have, and can you imagine this passing muster these days? We had our Christmas pudding, and buried in the Christmas pudding were silver coins, right? Because it had got to the 25th of December of that year without your parents choking you. So make every post a winner because there's only six days left. It's very European of you. Is that European, is yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Right. Well, it, it stopped is all I can say. Okay. <laughs> well, now we've moved on to my partner Sarah's uh, family are great foodies. Mm. And for one Christmas, we had some turducken. You tried it. I've not tried it. Yeah. Turducken. And what do you think? It was nice. The idea of getting a duck and shoving it up a chicken and then shoving the chicken up a turkey. <laughs> Which probably is not the way that the cookbook describes it, but that's essentially what happens. Pretty fantastical. Uh, I've had to duck in. And then what now, when you sit down at the Christmas table, what are you looking forward to most at your Christmas coming up this year? I wouldn't be looking forward to food. Christmas is about children, Mm -hmm. right? And for some reason I've ended up with... uh, two extra children somewhat further down the track and they're still quite young. Well, Lauren's six and their notion of that, – that makes Christmas for me is, is the children, pretty pedestrian ob- observation. And they get up very early. Right? They don't appreciate how early both you and I get up yes. during uh, the year. They don't care. They wake us up early again. Mm-hmm. And do you have any traditions with them? I don't think so. This is where – so Sarah's probably my corporate memory, and she'll say, yes, of course we have a tradition. But do you go you under know, the tree or stockings? No, under the tree. Or under the tree? I think, yeah. But it, all it does is give me an opportunity to tell a story I heard this year when I was, when a mate of mine who was a businessman, he, one of his very first businesses was that he made Christmas crackers, mm-hmm. right, in the Fuller family, due of the Christmas crackers, right? We love it. Right, you pull them apart. It's the first one. Only one of you gets the hat. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a, a, joke. a joke in it. That's important. Or a Yuletide message. Mm-hmm. Right, his business was making Christmas crackers, and he made them in a factory in Ireland, mm-hmm. right? And his first year, he made them, and when he went to open up the office after Christmas, he found a string of complaints. Because what had happened was that the workers in Ireland were aware 
that these Christmas crackers were being made and then shipped to England for English people to celebrate Christmas. So when they pulled the Christmas cracker apart and the hat fell out, also out came a message. <laughs> uh, and, and it wasn't a Yuletide message at all. It was saying things like, get the hell out of Northern Ireland. And, uh, there was a message all right. There was a message all right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've got to get the crackers, you get the crown, and maybe a little key ring or something. Yeah, and a joke. And uh, uh, Sorry, it's not a joke because that's uh, those things are often riddles. Mm. Right? And you don't get told a riddle. You've got to give the other person an opportunity to answer the riddle. Mm-hmm. So that's a firm rule in our household. You pose the first part of the riddle. You don't tell the second part. You've got to have a crack at what the answer is, you know. I've got one. What happened when the duck flew upside down? It quacked up. You know? Oh, that's good. Right. Yeah. What is the Christmas alphabet missing? Oh, well, the angel said Noel. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's too easy. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got to talk about what are you drinking at your Christmas table? Wine. We want the finest wines available to humanity. We want them here and we want them now. Might open with a rosé. Oh, no? that's summer. Summer rosé. I can see it now. Yeah, and because uh, we went to Provence a few years back and discovered the biggest selling wine in France is rosé. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen them where they carry around those giant bottles of rosé in those those outdoor restaurants? Because it gets pretty hot that neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. So I might open the batting with a rosé, then move on to what my friend Jerry calls the red cordial. Just keeps going down. <laughs> yeah, I might actually get something uh, from a meaningful section. Beautiful. What yeah. would that normally be, a Nebbiolo, a Barolo? Yeah, a Barolo, which Barolo, uses Barolo. uses the Nebbiolo grape. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be a Barolo with a bit of age on it, which gives it that little brown tinge on the outside. And I think, as I said in a previous podcast, it makes me feel good just by looking at it. Yeah, that colour does something. All right, this one's a little bit, you get their cliches, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Favourite Christmas song? I'm <laughs> hesitating because the person who produced the album is a murderer. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's just Christmas um, cheer. But in good news, he's no longer alive. It's Phil Spector's Christmas. Mm-hmm. It has Frosty the Snowman by the Ronettes. Bobby Socks in the Blue Jeans, Darlene Love. He brings the wall of sound, Phil Spector, to a lot of American-style Christmas songs, which are often secular. But I will throw in ones, mm. and I, I and I've said it on the breakfast program, and I think people don't people don't whether I'm serious or not. But Jimmy Barnes's new Christmas album, and we interview him in that studio over there, called Blue Christmas. His version of Silent Night. I joked with him. I said it's the world's loudest version of Silent Night. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It is. His version of Silent Night. I agree. Silent Night, Holy Night, So I'll put that to the top of the pops. Jimmy Barnes singing Silent Night off his album Blue Christmas. Love it. You've got to have a Christmas movie then. We took calls on the breakfast program, It's Not Christmas Without... And my sister-in-law texted without love, actually. You know I love Christmas, I always will. My mind's made up the way that I feel. I have a role for love, actually, in my life, and that is that I'm, if I've got a queasy stomach and I need <laughs> something, 
to make me throw up. Oh. I can put on Love Actually. Come on. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that Love Actually is all around. I think it's dreadful. Okay, fair enough. So no, that's no, it's not fair. You stick, you stick to your guns. <laughs> We're setting the scene now. Summer, Christmas might have just been. You've got that little period before New Year's. Where are you going around Victoria? I think we might be down on the Mornington Peninsula for a few days because we, and then we will catch the ferry across because we've got a place in southwest Victoria. I have a friend who has a place at Aries Inlet, and I'm thinking uh, we have done Christmas Eve at his house for 20 plus years. Really? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll go to Aries Inlet and do it there, you know, stagger over the line, get to 12.01 and fall asleep. This one is more to do with what's coming. Have you got any predictions for Christmas or maybe New Year? Predictions is a thing of mine yeah. because um, a lot of life is determined by people making predictions, making forecasts and a lot, and it is pretty well established that human beings are terrible at it. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance, and we should on the podcast, I would love to interview a fellow called Philip Tetlock, T-E-T-L-O-C-K, I think he accepts the general premise that human beings are terrible at making predictions. But he says there are a group of people called super predictors who are actually good at making predictions. And I think the basis of it was the the best people at predicting, super predictors, are the people who ask the most questions. Right. So if you've got a, you know, what's going to happen in this particular sphere, it's the person who asks the most questions relating to that who will end up being the best predictor. So I'd like to talk to him at some stage about super predictors. Because when you think about it, do you remember at the start of COVID? Yeah. What was going to happen to property prices? It was going to dip. Yeah, they got to plummet. And they went up. They didn't just went up, (laughs) they skyrocketed. So there we were, people in a, it's a bit like, you know, horse racing is a fascination of mine. And they have horse racing tipsters in the paper. Mm-hmm. Right? And what they do is they tip and they tip loser after the loser after loser after loser. And they say, right, what are you doing next week? Oh, I'm tipping more horses again. Tipping the winner. Right, yeah. <laughs> next no, week. <laughs> next week. Loser, 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 yeah. loser. But that's true of most fields of human endeavour. Last thing I was thinking, any more Christmas things that you think make you think summer or Christmas? The big indicator for me, being a horse racing fan, is jasmine. When I smell jasmine, I walk into the backyard and I smell jasmine, I go, ah, spring racing. You know, spring's here. Locked away. Gates are back and they're racing. That's my sort of yearly indicator is the presence of jasmine in the backyard. Beautiful. Surprising I didn't call my daughter jasmine. That's all from us for uh, this year. Merry Christmas all. And we're hoping that Ross Recommends will be back with you about the middle of January. Thank you very sincerely for listening. Tune in to Ross Stevenson and Russell Howcroft weekdays from 5.30 on 3AW Breakfast. Breakfast.